show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops, food, ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. First off, I don't know if you heard an old intro or the new one yet. We've been having some problems with the new one. It'll come back shortly, or it'll be premiered shortly, but by the time this posts, I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. So you may be stuck with the old intro for a couple episodes, but eh, it'll change. However, Wolfie T has a new intro. That's right. I am your host, Eric Mulder. Same old shit for yeah, Eric. Still got my same shitty one on there. That's kind of tied in with the new intro. Because I'm having problems with the end of the intro and then my soundbite. Oh, I see. Trading off, but it'll get figured out eventually. Can't delay the uh, podcast anymore because we got to get some episodes out there. Gotta it's been a couple it. of weeks. Got to do it. It's been a fortnight or so. Yeah. So say hello, Brett. <laughs> This is the grand premiere of your new clip. How do you feel about it? Insert your own drum roll. <laughs> Wolfman's got nards. There it is. Apparently, you've got nards. I do. And it fits into our uh, next episode on the Monster Squad, because that's what it's from. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Kid says it. <laughs> Good. Did they ever... I forget. Do they say his name? I think they say his name once. They say it a couple times. His name is Horace. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then Horace. at the end of the movie, he, he makes sure everybody knows, even though all his friends call him Fat Kid. <laughs> he makes sure that Jason Hervey knows that his name is Horace. Oh, yeah. Jason Hervey. Does that kid ever play something other than the older bully? <laughs> yeah, the uh, older brother from Wonder Years. Yeah. I think his name is EJ in the movie. Yeah, I don't know if I heard what they called him. Because he's like, EJ, let me in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Black Lagoon creature's trying to get him. Yeah, that could be it. All right, well, this episode's a little mini-up. Do a little bit of film news. First off, R.I.P. Harry Dean Stanton. Legend of film. Yep. Character actor. So many decades of, like, movies to choose from. You're like, oh, that's my favorite Harry Dean Stanton, or this is my favorite Harry Dean. It's too many to pick from. Nothing really stands out to me. I don't know if I've seen a lot of his, but Repo Man is a movie that I watched mm -hmm. maybe two years ago now, and I love that movie. Yeah, that's he, a big one for... He's great in that. Harry Dean fans. Yeah, he is pretty great in there. Um, and he's, he's just fucking great in everything. I saw Paris, Texas about a year ago. That was very good. It's kind of slow and kind of have to prepare yourself for that watch you know it's kind of like a plotting and whatnot but it's very good his performance is incredible i guess the earliest movie i really love him in is probably cool hand luke but it's more of a smaller role yeah i didn't i didn't know he was in that but that's a amazing movie yeah but all the david lynch movies that he's in and he was in the new twin peaks revival he's in that uh which actually the death toll from the revival is up to three now since filming wrapped, three characters have died. The log lady, who... You mean the actors that were in the yeah. show? Yeah. The log lady, I think she had cancer, I think, during filming. Because all her scenes, she has, you know, uh, oxygen tank, you know, tubes up her nose. And her hair is... Looks like she was going through chemo, that type of thing. She died pretty much like right after they wrapped filming. Or maybe right at the end of... Her, all her... Like scenes were shot, but she passed, and then Miguel Frere uh, kicked the bucket, and he was still rather young. I think he was only like fifty nine, something like that, or sixty one tops. That was uh, George Clooney's cousin, 
I believe George Clooney's father's name is Jose Ferrer. Oh, is that, so, why, is that why George Clooney was in the Mexican? <laughs> or was that Brad Pitt? That was Brad Pitt. <laughs> Clooney was the, the American. Yeah, he was in the American. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you got one, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> you got one right. Uh, I love Miguel Ferrer, too. He was, like, as a young kid, he was, like, one of my favorite villains. I first saw him in, like, Another Stakeout, which is not a good movie, but he was, like, the villain in there, and he was really good. I can't picture him. I'm not sure. I mean, he's in traffic. He's in his more recent work was on one of the CSIs, I believe. Okay. Here, I'll try and get a picture up for you. I can look too. But he was on the first Twin Peaks and the revival. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen this guy. I yeah. think I just watched a movie recently that he was in. Yeah, he's pretty much fantastic in everything he's in. There, that fixed it. Sorry about that little hum, folks. Got that fixed. What were you going to say, Brett? Oh, yeah. I just saw Miguel Ferrer in Hot Shots Part 2. He's <laughs> pretty good in that. Yeah. Looking through, he was uh, played Quigley in Blank Check. Yep. If you remember that. <laughs> yep. He ran over the kid's bike. Back in the day. <laughs> that was the main uh, the main dude, wasn't he? He, yeah. wrote, he wrote the Blank Check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Million dollars. Oh, wrote it out to cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's too bad that he died he was 61 yeah harry dean uh quite the legend so many films toby hooper had died i think just before our last episodes at least our last i don't know if we did many episode because he died august 26th yeah we'd recorded right after that but i think we might have mentioned it in passing but didn't really go in depth on it yeah Sucks for Toby Hooper, too. Um, I mean, Texas Chainsaw is probably my favorite horror film of all time. And Texas Chainsaw 2, I love. It's not my favorite, but I love it. Poltergeist, obviously, he's known for that. Some people will say that, you know, kind of Spielberg kind of directed it. There's a lot of ins and outs I'm not really sure about. Yeah. Like, who to believe. You see a lot of different, like, conflicting information on on the World Wide Web. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you can see Spielberg had a lot of heavy influence on Poltergeist because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of his trademarks in it. Hooper also directed uh, Salem's Lot, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that either. But I believe it's free on demand right now. But That was a miniseries, wasn't it? Or was uh, that a movie? I can't remember. It was a movie, but it could have been like an It type of thing or it was like a TV miniseries. Okay. I heard it's not, all, not the greatest, but some people love it. I'm not really sure. I kind I'm kind of thinking it was a a made for TV thing. No, I want you to look it up on there maybe. Uh, I can figure it out. Put but me, put me to work. <laughs> but the other big news came out on Twitter the other day that Jamie Lee Curtis is back as Laurie Strode in the next Halloween film, which is pretty big news because she got killed in Halloween Resurrection. Spoiler alert. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I thought you did. No, I've only seen the first three and then Rob Zombie's first one. Okay. The third one's confusing because it has nothing to do with anything else in the series. And once you know that going in, like, it's basically a marketing problem. Yeah. Which we'll get into marketing problems later with the film I'm going to talk about. But Salem's Lot is listed as a PG-rated horror movie. One hour and 43 minutes. Okay. So, yeah, it must be an actual film. But, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Because Halloween Resurrection is just just a pile of shit. So bad. It was one of the Busta Rhymes. Just terrible. You don't like Busta Bus? Mm, not in Halloween I Resurrection. Haven't, I haven't seen him in that one. He's but... like a... He, like, fights, like, karate style and stuff in there. <laughs> It's always funny when they have these street fights and they start throwing, like, spitting back kicks and shit. <laughs> like, dude, how do you know karate? <laughs> like, you can take karate. You live in the ghetto. Him and some other people do, like, a like, like be- a live web stream, like, reality TV show, like, in the house. Oh, my God. When yeah. did it come out? Like, oh, two or something like that? Oh, one or oh, two, something like that. Like, that's when that shit was hot, you know? Like the early days. You know, like look that. how advanced this stuff is. <laughs> this is the future. <laughs> 
because she's in one, two, H2O, and then Resurrection. I love H2O. It's probably my third favorite Halloween movie after one and two. And I do like Halloween three, but I consider it different because it's Carpenter. They wanted to do an anthology series because he didn't want to do any more Michael Myers Halloween stuff. He was done with it. Well, he kind of screwed that up by making Halloween two a continuation of Halloween one. If you want to do an anthology, he should have just started over. Yeah, I don't think he was but it, uh, fully like, on board for two. He what? didn't write or direct it, did he? Yeah. Let's see. Halloween 2, 1981. This is written by John Carpenter. But you got to click on that because it could just be story or says, characters. This is written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Yeah, that was his lady at the time. They uh, directed on. by Rick Rosenthal. Yep. I knew he didn't direct it. So... Did you click on the written by? Yeah. Does it, it say says, screenplay or just? It says written by. There's no screenplay credits? It just says written by and written by. <laughs> yeah, he didn't so, uh, didn't direct it, but. So it wasn't like characters created by or mm-hmm. something like that. He actually co-wrote it. And this, uh, this new one is going to be directed by David Gordon Green. He was writing it with Danny McBride. Yeah, that's interesting. Danny yeah. McBride writing that? Yeah, he, because uh, I believe David Gordon Green, I think he did Your Highness, that shitty stoner movie that nobody saw. It was okay. I haven't seen it. But... It was okay. <laughs> James Franco. It wasn't, it wasn't like, ter- it wasn't like terrible, but mm-hmm. I mean. They also worked together on Pineapple yeah. Express. That was David yeah. Gordon Green. Okay. Franco and you know Danny McBride, so they're pretty close. And uh, Carpenter's executive producing, so he signed on. Apparently, he likes what he sees, and it's going to take place after Halloween two. Yeah. So everything else after that is just a wash. I heard Carpenter's doing the uh, music for it too. Yeah, he says he has some ideas about how to maybe update it slightly, but I'm sure he'll keep that crazy, difficult time signature in there. Yeah. So David Gordon Green directed the sitter your highness pineapple express and then some other stuff that they don't remember being very big prince avalanche with paul rudd george washington which i have on uh, criterion collection yeah what a bunch of kids that one of them accidentally gets killed and they're all trying to like hide it because it was an accident he did joe Yep, I love Joe. Manglehorn. I've not seen that. Our brand is Crisis. Yeah, that one got uh, was kind of a flop last year or the year before. Yep. And then uh, this year he's got a movie called Stronger. Yeah, he runs Hot and Cold. So it's it's not all comedy stuff. It's kind of all over, yeah, all he over does the a board. Lot of, that's the thing. He goes comedy, drama, and like his movies are seem to be either really good or not so good i haven't seen all of them but even the one like like the sitter jones and i think that's hilarious it's probably a last resort but yeah we laugh our asses off watching that i i didn't uh particularly care for the sitter oh yeah but is he just gotta like Jonah hill enough i yeah i don't know the jokes didn't really hit for me no but your highness was decent pineapple express was really good Mm -hmm. so yeah I believe it comes out October 18th of next year is when it's supposed to drop because they announced in a release date. Expected October 19th, 19th. 2018. Ooh. So. It's off by a day. Although if the 18th is a Thursday. Yeah, that's another thing. It probably <laughs> is going to come out. It'll probably come out on the 18th. Those midnight shows, the Thursdays, now they just do it at 7 o'clock. Yeah. It's not even a midnight show. Like for Mother this past weekend, you can go to see Mother last Thursday at 7 o'clock. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it says it comes out the 15th. It's like, nope, it's the 14th. <laughs> it's like, it'll be here at 11 o'clock in the morning on the 15th. <laughs> but if you want to see it Thursday night, you know, come at 7. Well, I think it's about that time. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? What did you see, Brett? 
Let's see. Let's start with this one. We were just talking about a bunch of Seth Rogen movies. And I saw Observe and Report from 2009, uh, written and directed by Jody Hill, starring Seth Rogen, Anna Faris, Ray Liotta, Michael Pena, uh, Dan Bacadal, Jesse Plemons, uh, Celia Weston, yeah, that's about it, a few other people. Uh, mall security guard Ronnie Barnhart is called into action to stop a flasher from turning Shopper's Paradise into his personal peep show. But when Barnhart can't bring the culprit to justice, a surly police detective is recruited to close the case. Uh, I'm going to give this a soonish. 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 I, I thought this movie was hilarious. I will not let you give it a soonish. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll let you. I'll let it slide with eventually. I did like it. I probably, I'm like personally, I'm hindering between like last resort and eventually. But if you like it for soonish, it's definitely an eventually. We usually put it right in the middle. It's definitely an eventually, because this movie is fantastic. Um, I was laughing through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really well done. Uh, Jody Hill uh, is known for Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals. Uh, the HBO series, and if you like those ones, you're gonna like this. Um, it's very much the same style and type of humor. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very pleased with this. Um, I wish I had seen it earlier, but yeah, observe and report. Check it out. Yeah, I might have to update it now. I might have put it under last resort. It's at least an eventually. I'd say. So, yeah, I'll yeah. put it up at eventually. I'd say that. So Jones and I have talked about if we disagree on something like by a lot, we'll try and meet in the middle. And if it's like, if I said eventually, and you said soonish, then we'd probably flip a coin. Yeah. But, but I, I think this is better than a last resort. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely at least a little underrated because it kind of flopped when it came out. I think it was kind of misunderstood and maybe mismarketed a little bit. I think it hurt coming out around the same time as Paul Blart. Yeah. Because um, everybody kind of assumed it was the same. You know, Paul Blart's a, you know, happy-go-lucky family film. Observe and Report looks, you know, it's the similar premise. It's a mall security guard trying to hit on the hot chick working the cosmetics counter. <laughs> but, yeah. But that's, that's not really the primary storyline of observe and report it's it's more of uh seth rogan's character trying to prove that he's a great detective Mm -hmm. if you will uh trying to solve the uh mall pervert slash (laughs) flasher uh case and then there's also a another uh case where somebody's robbing the or uh you know stealing stuff for the mall uh, at night while it's closed and uh, Ray Liotta is the surly real <laughs> police detective that gets called in to, to actually solve the cases and uh, the way they butt heads and yeah. uh, can't get along but still have to kind of work together even though they don't really need to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, uh, I've seen in interviews uh, Seth Rogen talked about how they were kind of like doing like a, not a remake, but almost like an extension of taxi driver. Like they wanted Seth Rogen's character to be like a Travis Bickle, like a more modern Travis Bickle on a kind of a more ridiculous environment, okay. you know? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, Travis Bickle, you know, he's can't handle the scum on the streets. Yeah. Wants to clean up the city and like Seth Rogen's character, same thing with the mall, you know? Yeah, and he's really possessive about it because he's the head of security, and <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. I I would recommend it. All right, well, what did you see? I suppose it's time to talk about it. <laughs> I saw it, the new it, twenty seventeen, directed by Andy Muschietti. Muschietti, no, 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 how you pronounce it? One of those, uh, starring. Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, uh, Jaden Leber, if 
Finn Wolfhard. He's the kid from uh, Stranger Things. Uh, Sophia Lillis. Uh, Jeremy Ray Taylor. Chosen Jacobs. Jack Dylan Grazer. Wylet Olaf. Did you say the kid's name is Chosen? Yep. Chosen Jacobs. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Hamilton. Jake Sim. Yeah, a lot of kids. So a lot of names you don't recognize. Yeah. Uh, Storyline. A group of bullied kids band together when a shape-shifting demon taking the appearance of clown, of a clown, begins hunting children. So this was, of course, uh, based off of the Stephen King novel, It. And there was also a TV miniseries in 1990 that uh, I didn't see until... I want to say maybe four or five years ago. I fell asleep towards the end. <laughs> I think I, I watched it within the last year for the first time. It's one of those movies, if you want to call it that, because yeah. it's always like marketed, like you see it in stores as a DVD, and everyone says, the TV series or miniseries. It's always just as it. Yeah. Makes it look like it's a movie. Um, I think you just kind of had to see it when you were a kid to find it scary at all or good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tim Curry is really, really good in it, yeah. but everybody else is just kind of, uh, especially the, uh, so in that version, they do the group as children, and then later when they reunite as adults, mm-hmm. and the second half where they're doing the adult storyline on it, oh my god, those actors are so bad. And like John Ritter is just like even know, John Ritter asleep. is awful in there. Like, geez, who fucking directed this thing? Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, I'm sure if I saw it when I was a kid, I'd probably like it a lot. Like to this day, I'm yeah, sure have, like nostalgia and you know, I have a soft spot for it. I think especially if you saw it as a kid and then didn't see it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I'm missing something. Like when talking about the new one. I'll say right now, I'll say eventually, but there's some caveats to that because I really don't know what the fuck to give it because I don't have the connection other people do to it, people that saw it as kids, people have read the book, things like that, but I had one of the worst experiences in the movie theater watching this movie because people in there will not shut the fuck up. The theater I saw it at, I see movies for free there, is not the one I work at. Um, but I'm done mentioning the name of the theater. Jones and I have talked about ad nauseum several episodes prior. There's been some problems with people talking, but this was a newer one because it was a younger, usually it's been like older people kind of like maybe chatting a little bit back and forth, but nothing too outrageous, just something that's kind of annoying when you're trying to watch like a drama. Yeah. I'm sure if I saw like a Marvel movie there, I don't think there'd be that much talking. Yeah. I think there'd be like a lot of cheering and things like that. People get all excited, whatnot, but I really don't think there'd be that much talking. However, with it, the talking, if it was just talking, I could have handled that, but people were laughing hysterically at parts that did not call for it at all. When Pennywise, you can see it in the trailer, the little kid is chasing his boat down the stream or, you know, in the street and goes into the sewer and he reaches down for it. And he's looking in the sewer. And Pennywise, the first thing you see of him is his eyes open. And the guy next to me, I went I went and sat like fourth row, kind of towards the middle. There's only one sec. There's only a middle section. So there's no seats on the left or right. There's two aisles on the outside of this big, you know, it's probably like eight or ten seats wide. Okay. I was in the fourth row. It's probably about 150 capacity theater there's probably about 80 people in there maybe even a little more there was another guy just by himself like three seats down from me and he starts laughing hysterically as soon as the eyes open it's like there's nothing funny about that i don't know what the fuck you're doing but he thought that was hysterical and i couldn't even like hear what pennywise was saying because he just kept on laughing now i can understand if pennywise is saying some darkly comic things he's a clown that sort of thing you know, dark, dark humor. I get it if you want to laugh at that. But throughout the movie, I mean, as soon as he did that, because leading up to it, it's all dramatic. It's all scary. There's no funny parts in the that opening scene. 
and he was laughing off and on and a few people behind him were too and i didn't really get it like if there was if there was something in the book or in the past film that they were like oh they did this again or they did it a different way and that's kind of funny or cool yeah i don't know um based on the trailer it looked pretty similar to how the original miniseries filmed it with him chasing the the paper boat down the yep the street uh gutter or whatever yeah and so immediately i got up and i walked all the way back to the very last row which i hate i like sitting up close in theaters unless if it's like a drama or just something you're watching people talk i could sit in the back row that's fine but action horror i I like to sit in the front like the you know the screen to kind of fill my field of view field of vision try to drown on everyone else and the laughing didn't stop and it wasn't just him there was like at least a dozen people that were laughing in inopportune moments i don't know if they were high or what the hell was going on because there's plenty of funny stuff in the movie the kids are always shit talking each other talking about each other's moms and sisters and like you know boys will be boys type of stuff and that's really funny they have some really funny lines in there i mean you could say pennywise says some darkly comic things once in a while but by and large, when he shows up, you know, shit's hitting the fan. It's supposed to be scary. Yeah. And I could see laughing at it if you think it's a really bad or cheesy movie. Like, that would be another reason to maybe laugh. Mm-hmm. But this is a critically heralded movie, at least. And it just it seemed like I was, like, out of the loop. Like, am I missing something here? You know, shit ton of people are laughing at moments when they shouldn't be. And it's ruining the fucking movie. It's like, how are you supposed to be scared or frightened at all when people are laughing around you constantly yeah um some people were laughing just because like uh there'd be a jump scare and like people would scream and then they go <laughs> you know like oh that one really got me you know yeah like people there with their friends and that kind of laughter i can i can understand um i don't like it but at least i i get that i can understand yeah. it but there's dozen or so other people they're just laughing at the most random moments didn't make any sense. You know, the people were talking a little bit, but the whole experience just ruined the fucking movie for me. Yeah. Um, I know it wasn't a bad movie. There's definitely things I liked. Like I said, the parts where it wasn't scary and the kids are, you know, being little detectives and doing what they do. It's, it's fun to watch those interactions and those scenes. The kids were all at pretty good performances there's a girl in there there's a lot of talk about uh, her role and how she was portrayed different from the tv series maybe different from the book they kind of fleshed out her character a little more which i thought was very good it was a very nice uh, story arc so i definitely wouldn't say it's bad but i can't i don't even really know how good it is yeah and now i don't know if i'll i probably will never know because the first experience is ruined for me yeah i've had uh at least one movie that I saw in the theater ruined because of a experience like that. And it was a movie that I thought I would really, really like. Mm-hmm. And then these people were just talking through the whole thing and like making comments, like doing commentary during the movie. And he just fucking ruined it. Yeah. And it's terrible. It's like, this isn't the room. <laughs> <laughs> right. You go to midnight, go see the room, and you can yeah. shout as much shit as you want at the screen. And it's like, nobody came here to fucking hear your commentary. Like, no matter how big or small the audience is. Yeah. Like, unless you're the only one in there. Me, I thought if I moved to the very back row, I wouldn't be able to hear a lot of the people because everyone's talking in front of them, of course. Yeah. But I could still hear it. Yeah. During the scary parts, which is like, are you fucking shitting me? Am I watching a horror movie or what? Yeah, because it's not a comedy. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of comedic elements, but at different different scenes. Yeah. Especially with evidence of the book. And I mean, the little kid gets his arm bitten off in the sewer. Blood everywhere. And like the people are fucking laughing. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's kind of weird. I don't know. I'll probably wait till it's on uh, like HBO or something to check it out, watch it at home. But yeah, so 
I wish I could give our listeners some more insight to the film, but eventually, like we said, eventually, if it gets the eventually rating and it's in theaters right now, we recommend you see it, but yeah, I don't know. But I, beware. Go try and find a maybe you want to wait a week or two. Yeah, it looks it looks like less it's, people. It looks like it should be better than the uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely uh, with the R rating, seems like it, it would be a lot more, yeah. uh, I assume true to the book, even though I haven't read it, but, um, yeah, it seems like it should be a good movie, but it, it really doesn't interest me enough to go see it in the theater personally. Cause mm-hmm. it, I don't see a lot of movies in the theater anyways, but considering I didn't think the, uh, miniseries was so great. Even though this looks better than the miniseries, I don't know if it's good enough to get my, you know, dollars to see it in the theater. Yeah. So, I would recommend you go see it. It's definitely not a pile of shit. It's probably really good, but I couldn't tell you because I can't. I won't ever find out. So, what else did you see, Mr. Wolfie T? Let's see. I saw... From 1988, Colors. Oh, okay. Colors, Colors. <laughs> How many times do they play that colors, song? Colors, Like, <laughs> Why? Well, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. I'm trying to think. It's Ice Cube, isn't it? I think, no, Ice T. Ice T, sorry. It's Ice T. Ice T. I think they played it at least twice, like the full version, and then they played like shorter versions at least two or three times. Mm-hmm. Written by Michael Schiffer, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring Sean Penn, Robert Duvall, let's see, Maria Conchita Alonzo, Randy Brooks, Grandel Bush, Don Cheadle, uh, Glenn Plummer, Trinidad Silva, Damon Wayans, let's see. Uh, an experienced cop and his rookie partner patrol the streets of East Los Angeles while trying to keep the gang violence under control. So this one was pretty interesting. Um, I'd give it an eventually. Uh, it was a pretty well done police drama. Um, so it's about uh, Robert Duvall. He's a couple weeks away from getting his pension. You know, a couple weeks from retirement. And uh, he gets put on the street as part of Los Angeles uh, Police Department's uh, gang unit called Crash, um, along with Sean Penn, who's a rookie in the department. And uh, he basically has to go around and kind of show him the ropes of how to deal with the gangs in L.A. and the, yeah. crip, the Crips and the Bloods and the 21st Street Gangsters and how you want to kind of build a relationship uh, so you kind of let the small stuff slide. So, uh, once something big goes down, they'll actually let you know and kind of work with you, uh, instead of being difficult and whatnot. Um, even though like back at that time, <laughs> I think it kind of depends on which side of the law you were on, whether, uh, Sean Penn and Robert Duvall's characters are seen as good guys or bad guys. Rampart? <laughs> Rampart division? So they're, uh, you know, they're, they're there to clean up the, the streets and whatnot. But, you know, a lot of the gangs are just, you know, they don't have any other options. So this is their only way of life that they know. And it, and it was really interesting to see how they portrayed that, portrayed that on screen. And I, I'd recommend taking a look at it colors yeah I, I enjoyed it um what would you give it last resort or eventually i'd give it an eventually okay because i i thought it was pretty well done yeah it's definitely uh it's gritty yeah i wasn't disappointed <laughs> especially if you like uh you know police dramas or gang movies or yeah you know there's some things in there like watching now you might think like oh that's kind of cliche but it's like well this was one of like the first ones yeah of that yeah so and i think it was fairly true to real life like we mentioned ice t did the soundtrack but i i'm pretty sure he had some input on 
like how the gangs would uh, interact and whatnot. Mm. And I believe I, I read it's another movie where they hired real life gang members yeah. to act in the movie and also provide protection while they <laughs> film the movie yeah. in Los Angeles on location. So if it isn't true to life, I'd be surprised at, you know, what they, uh, they changed. Um, cause it seemed pretty legitimate, um, at least for the time. Colors, colors, colors. Well, uh, I talked back in August about Wind River, and that was my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, which I still, you know, like it a whole hell of a lot. It's a great film. But I have another, or I should say, I have a new leader in the clubhouse. Is it it? It is not it. <laughs> it is It Comes at Night. Also from 2017. Uh, written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz, starring Joel Edgerton, Christopher Abbott, Carmen Iago, Riley Keough, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Kelvin Harrison or Harris? Kelvin Harrison Jr. Oh, so that's not T.I.'s kid. No. <laughs> not Tip's kid. Although none of his kids are named Kelvin. They're all got weird names like King and Messiah and shit like that. <laughs> Um, I'm not even going to read the exact storyline from IMDb. I'm just going to kind of make up my own. Because the main problem with this movie, the only problem it has is the way it was marketed. Because if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, you look this movie up, it says 89% critics, 44 from audiences. So on the, most people did not like it. Um, and it's mostly as to do with how it was marketed. Uh, you understand what I mean after you've seen the film, but, and it is a divisive film. It's not one that's necessarily for everyone, but the general storyline um, is Joel Edgerton is the father. He has a wife and a kid basically in some sort of a post-apocalyptic future. Not like in the future, like it's still contemporary, but something has happened and there's a disease and they're kind of holed up in the woods in a house that they keep locked constantly from the outdoors and they do not go out at night. Um, that's pretty much all I'll say. That's the setup. Um, and then, so, it, then it comes out at night. <laughs> a little similar to 10 Cloverfield Lane in that, you know, John Goodman built a bunker to kind of after the events of Cloverfield, he's kind of hiding out, you know, the apocalypse. This is, I mean, I'm not going to talk about what it is, but it's, like I said, it is very divisive. You might hate it after you see it. Um, it's something you're going to want to talk about. Love it or hate it. If you hate it, you're going to want to talk about why you hate it. You love it, you're going to talk about why, why you love it. And I personally, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's flawless. There's not one thing I would change with this movie. Um, I can't really say enough about it. I mean, if I did, I would ruin the movie. So <laughs> all I could say is don't read anything about it. Don't even watch the trailer. Just rent it. It came out on Blu-ray last week. So it's on demand. Um, I'm not sure if it's Redbox available yet, but go out and see that. I'm I'm going to say soonish, but I want to say ASAP, but I'm going to let – I borrowed it to Jones, so he's going to report back. Tell me what he thinks of it because it's, we don't like to just hand out ASAPs around here. Yeah. Um, movies from last year, uh, like I gave an ASAP to Neon Demon, which was my favorite film of last year. But even that felt weird to give it that. Like, uh, this movie just came out, you know, I don't know if I should uh. give it an ASAP. But if we don't give movies ASAPs, then we're the only movies that are going to get ASAPs <laughs> are old movies. Right. So I think Jones and I talked about maybe we should we should each give an ASAP to our favorite movies of the year. Like they should just get it. If it's really our favorite movie of the whole year, it should probably be an ASAP. Yeah. So like he he had a few that may might have been his favorite, but we kind of decided on Silence. So Silence has an ASAP. And I always thought that there was like I didn't see any flaws in Silence. And I thought about like watching like 
or I should say after seeing it, I was thinking, you know, this could be an ASAP. This is nothing wrong with this movie. And it was kind of blew me away or at least blew my expectations away. And they were already kind of high for a, you know, 25 year Scorsese passion project. <laughs> but, um, so I might change this rating to an ASAP, but it ain't going any lower than soonish. Let's put it that way. I don't care if Jones hates it. <laughs> staying at soonish. Cause I would want to give it an ASAP. So if he doesn't like it, then I'll, I'll knock it down to soonish you know, right. to appease him. But I'm guessing he's going to like it. So yeah, it comes at night. I don't think I watch enough new movies to get a vote on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll borrow it to you when Jones gets back. Most of these new movies are eventually for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Actually, that reaction kind of sounds like what Mother has been getting. Uh, yeah, Mother's like, been a little similar. It sounds like there's a lot of people who were not pleased with uh, how that turned out. That's almost like kind of a little bit of film news because neither of us has seen Mother yet. But right. we got, I mean, it's right around 70% of critics and I think it's even lower than It Comes at Night for viewer score. It's probably around 40 or maybe even yeah. less. But it got an F cinema score, which is like the surveys you fill out when you exit the theater at certain locations. They'll give you like a card. You'll punch it out. or yeah, Usually it's a punch-out card. Yeah. And you rate it you know, on a, you know F to A scale. And movies rarely ever get F. And it got an F. Yeah. And like another film that got an F was Killing Them Softly with uh, – Brad, uh, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. And uh Jones and I both liked Jones liked it more than I did, but I, I liked it too. And that one got an F, surprisingly. And Mother got an F. It comes the night actually got a D. Yeah. So not quite the F. It didn't get down there, but like I said, some of these movies that are very divisive or sometimes the best. We try to tell you that just because you don't like a movie doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because the you know, the directors have these, uh, you know, ideas for movies that are so far from the mainstream and what, you know, everybody else is making. I think a lot of people get, you know, it's different, so they they, they really don't like it because yeah, it's not familiar. Yeah, in my analysis for The Neon Demon, I, was, I quoted some Nicholas Winding Refn quotes uh, from an interview he did. And he talked about just wanting reactions out of people. He does not give a fuck if you like it or dislike it. He yeah. wants to get a reaction out of you either way. Right. And I really kind of respect that for certain filmmakers. Um, some people say it's style over substance, things like that. But it does break up the monotony. Yeah. You get a reaction. It's more better than just that's like a lot of the movies that I don't see. It's because I think. I bet if I watch that movie, I bet I think it's all right. Yeah. I'm not looking for all right. Mm. I'm looking for amazing or great or really funny. Yeah. Or really terrifying. And sometimes, you know, you see a movie and it doesn't hit with you, which is fine. But there's plenty of movies out there that are just average. Yeah. There's a lot of movies out there that you see and then you feel like you've seen it before. Yeah. Even though it's a totally new movie. Not a remake, not a sequel, but it's like, yeah, that seems like movies A, B, C, and D. Yeah. You know. We have plenty of movies rated under the last resort category that are average or even pretty decent, like pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good movies or, you know, pretty funny. But he needs, you know, something extra. Yep. So my next one, another gritty movie, this one <laughs> from 1995. Dangerous Minds. Ooh. Remember that one? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, directed by John N. Smith. Uh, based on the book, My Posse Don't Do Homework by Luann Johnson. Um, so this was kind of like a, uh, a biopic because uh, Michelle Pfeiffer plays Luann Johnson. So she's in it. Uh, George DeZunza, Courtney B. Vance, Robin Bartlett. I didn't really recognize anybody else in there. It's more of an ensemble piece after you get past Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, it's about an ex-Marine teacher, 
Her ex-Marine turned teacher struggles to connect with her students in an inner city school. Mm. And this was, uh, I think, one of the first movies to really do the, um, you know, the more well-off white woman comes in, quote-unquote, saves the... the poor black community the poor black you know (laughs) minority kids that everybody gave up on Mm -hmm. um so basically uh she just got divorced so she's looking for a teaching job um and she ends up at the school who has a school within a school Mm -hmm. they call it the academy and it's just this group of kids that everybody gave up on uh you know they're they're passionate, is what they call them, uh, but they lack in social skills. And it's basically uh, kids that are gangbanging and drug dealing and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they come to school, but they, you know, it's that scene where the teacher walks in and everybody's playing music and talking and doing their rap battles and, like, today it's a cliché. But most of those like parodies and cliches started with this movie, um, yeah. And basically, she has to find unconventional ways to connect with the students so that she can actually teach them and help them learn. And it, you know, I thought it would be kind of cheesy and you know, kind of corny, but it's actually pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, I would even go. I would say eventually on this one too. Um, I thought it was really well done. Michelle Pfeiffer does a good job. Um, it was, you know, well acted. I love Gangster's Paradise. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen Dangerous Minds, but I do love the And they play that a couple the song times. that came from it. They got a, it's a pretty good soundtrack. They got a, if you like, uh, like mid-90s rap music, mm-hmm. um, it's a good soundtrack. One of the techniques she uses to teach the kids poetry is uh, teaching them to analyze Bob Dylan lyrics. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, for a movie that I had seen parodied over and over again and made fun of for, you know, the white savior complex and whatnot, uh, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised at how good it was and how much I liked it. So. I'd rec- uh, recommend taking a shot at Dangerous Minds. Been spending most of our lives <laughs> living <laughs> in a gangster's paradise. Uh, so last movie I'll talk about now is Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Also from 2017. Uh, directed by Jay Baruchel, who, you know, kind of wrote the first one. He didn't. Michael Douse uh, directed the original Goon. And then uh, Jay Baruchel kind of wrote this with other people. I guess I uh, had either not known or forgotten that he did the first one. Well, I think he kind of wrote it with Evan Goldberg, at least the first one, because I think just the, yeah, this one, Jay and wrote it with uh, Jesse Shabot, C-H-A-B-O-T, Chabot, Shabot. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, starring Sean William Scott, Elson Pill, Mark Andre Grandin, uh, Liv Schreiber, uh, Wyatt Russell, Alicia Cuthbert, and Jay Baruchel. Um, it's basically all the people from the first one, but throw in Wyatt Russell. Uh, Storyline: A hockey player plagued by injuries is confronted with the possibility of retirement when a tough new player challenges his status as the league's top enforcer. So this is a sequel to Goon, and Goon I liked a whole hell of a lot. One of the best hockey movies out there, and a, one of the better sports movies. Jones liked it too. We gave it eventually. Um, this one I would say last resort. There's still plenty of funny parts. Sean William Scott's still great as Doug the Thug Lat. It's just kind of a little more of the same. It's basically a remake of Rocky three and four put together. Oh yeah, but on ice. Yeah, but on ice. <laughs> but they're still fighting, so it's kind of yeah. like, eh. I mean, it's a hockey boxing movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's worth a watch. You just don't have to go out of your way to like go and see it. But you'll have if you like the first one, 
you'll like the second one. Just it's just not you know not as good, which you know happens with a lot of sequels. But right, it is kind of funny to think about them remaking like Rocky three and four into this. <laughs> like that was some of the criticisms I saw online. Like oh, they just basically remade Rocky three and four, and it's like well. It's called paying homage. <laughs> yeah, it's paying homage, and it's also, I mean, the plot points of Rocky 3 and 4 are not exclusive to Rocky 3 and 4. Yeah, they're not necessarily unique. Those are tried and true tropes that yeah. are used in a lot of movies. We're like two, I wouldn't say Carl Weathers is the antagonist in the first two, but and I can think he's a bad guy, but he's... He's the rival. He's the rival, yeah. Yeah. Rivals teaming up because, you know, Liv Schreiber retired after the first one. Or I should say, Doug the Thug retired him. <laughs> and he comes back uh, to kind of help Sean William Scott and his new, yeah. his new, the new obstacles he has in his, late in his career. Yeah, that's that's not necessarily, uh, like you said, not necessarily uh, unique to Rocky, where uh, the top dog gets um, uh, dethroned by an up-and-comer, and mm-hmm. then after he passes the torch... He becomes the mentor mm-hmm. for the guy that dethroned him. Yeah, there's a lot of boxing movies like that. And like, not just, I mean, that's just boxing movies. <laughs> there's plenty of, like, racing movies, a bunch of different sports movies, any kind of sport. There's movies like that. Like, that happens that's in just sport, sports movies. That happens in <laughs> sports, period. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's a trope in sports itself not even sports <laughs> movies like that's what happens yeah pretty frequently so last resort but you know give it a look see if you want you'll you'll have some chuckles but uh yeah i think that'll do it reach out to us shoot us an email over at watch this movie at yahoo.com check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com Still construction going on on the site, but we have about a thousand movies now rated in our rating section, which we'll still be obviously adding to and then eventually putting in little blurbs about every title. Please, if you could, subscribe and rate and or review on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. Um, I think the next, we're doing Monster Squad next, but I think. Tentatively, Brett and I are thinking about doing Friday the 13th Part 6. Jason Lives. Which is phenomenal. Oh, it was my favorite out of the, the eight that I've seen. Uh, out of the ones I've seen, it might be my favorite too. But we'll talk more about that when we get to it. It's the quintessential 80s slasher. <laughs> it's got all the tropes. Yep. Other than that, we will uh, check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you off my case.